If you're married out there, you know how difficult it is to do something together, right? <laughs> just kidding. It really is uh, fun <laughs> and interesting. <laughs> fun. I will tell you this, though. We were talking about this earlier that we found it interesting that every time we get to speak, uh, she's always on my right-hand side. And then as, as we were just, you know, thinking about that, uh, you know, a little voice in my head goes, you realize that if she ever was on your left, you'd be lost. And I'm like, oh. Because I'm always right. That's what true. She is always. That's that's more like it. That's more like it. She's always right. That's correct. Um, so, how many have ever asked ourselves the question, "What were you thinking?" Right here. Okay. So, and if you're a parent, um, we have two beautiful, amazing kids. Um, you'll see them running around here, Avery and Baylor. Um, we are. Uh, we try not. We try the best we can do, um, but we eventually will for their counseling. Um, but so, what happens in that? is they do something wrong um, or they weren't really sure what decision they were making. And the first thing that we probably are the only ones that do this and none of you have ever done this, we ask, what were you thinking? As if in that moment that they're going to go, hmm, the, what I was thinking was this and this and, and then I thought this was gonna happen. That never happens. We ask them at the moment where they are at their uh, I don't know. What were you thinking? We also ask ourselves this. I, ask, I might have asked Joe this at, she, at the beach. She asks me questions like a lot of times, what were you thinking? And, and I, I'm going to not name any names just to kind of protect the innocent. But there, there might have been a family, a friend of ours that, uh, <laughs> that went on vacation. And uh, they, they realized that uh, the budget was uh, kind of getting towards the peak, right? Okay. And uh, during this vacation time, we, we, I'm sorry, they, they did not, um, they didn't rent a car. Uh, we were, they, sorry, they were going to Uber and Lyft everywhere or whatever. And we realized, I mean, they realized, doggone it. Uh, they realized, <laughs> who am I kidding? We realized that... Um, we could no longer, there were six of us, we took some friends of ours, and typically, you know, you can get a larger Uber or a larger Lyft, and you can fit all six in there. Well, there were some stipulations based on COVID, and so we, we had to basically take two vehicles everywhere. So it was getting a little bit more expensive than what we thought. And so uh, one of our uh, Lyft drivers, he, he was jokingly saying, hey, you could get a U-Haul uh, van, and they're like, you know, 20 bucks a day. And I thought to myself, that's a great deal. And uh, so I called around and naturally they didn't have the van that I wanted, but what they did have was a nine foot box truck, right? All right. That so seats two people. The, 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 sorry, there were two seat belts, but it could seat a whole lot more. Um, we'll, just, we'll, just, we'll just leave it at that. All Me, you had to do was put them in the back of the, <laughs> of the box truck. There were a few in the back of the box truck for a very short amount of time. But I would never recommend that, so don't go do that. Uh, that was not fun at all. Um, that was one of those, what were you thinking, Joe? That but was one of those moments. I was also thinking that uh, this school year when I was driving from one of the buildings uh, to another building and ran over three cones. I mean, we're talking gap pedal to the metal gas, um, looking in the rearview mirror, praying over the sweet construction man that came to put them back up. They were not concrete. God, thank you that they were plastic. But I mean, we just pulverized right over them. And then I called Joe and said, when we get home, could you look under the car? Thankfully, and they were not still under the car. Thank you. Asking for a friend, can you <laughs> right. look under the car? <laughs> but so we ask ourselves what we were thinking. So here's the great thing about 
um, or not the great thing, probably one of the most interesting things about when we have moments of, of failure and or response like that, most of the time we're not actually thinking about anything. We're, we're actually basing our judgment or we're making a decision based on some kind of an emotion. Uh, for example, I made a horrible choice about renting a U-Haul truck based on a financial emotion. Uh, you know, uh, there was a, uh, a, a running over of cones based upon a telephone emotion. So we, we, we have these ideas to where, you know, the, the, the emotion kind of takes over. Actually, we were, talk, we were doing some research about our brain, and there's two parts of our brain. One is called the, um, the amygdala, and the other called is a, the cortex? The neocortex. The neocortex. And so the neocortex and the amygdala actually do not get along. They're actually, they contradict each other. So the neocortex, that is the part of your brain that actually creates um, like thought-provoking responses. That's the part of your brain. The neocortex is the part that is, is, allows you to take in all the information and make a legitimate form, uh, informed decision. Uh, the amygdala, on the other hand, uh, the amygdala is where the fight or flight sense comes in. That's like the moment something happens um, and your body just does things involuntarily. If you've ever seen my wife around a wasp, you'll know exactly what the amygdala does to a body <laughs> um, because there's no rationale to it. It's just flailing of arms and screaming and praising and speaking in tongues, which is awesome. It's awesome. I keep waiting for people to get saved whenever we go to like some place and there's a you know there's a wasp nest or something like that. I'm just yeah, waiting I've, for that. Yeah, I've thrown small children down for wasps. <laughs> I, don't worry, the Lord's working on me. The only thing is when we use our amygdala and we're going to kind of geek out with our minds because we want to show we want to really talk to you today about your your mind and and how God can begin to really use it and transform it. The only thing about our amygdala is it's the emotion center. So emotions, you can look at the statement, emotions are great responders, but horrible leaders. If you ever wonder if your amygdala is the one in the driver's seat, um, when you get on social media and maybe get fired up about something and you're like immediately commenting, your amygdala is probably commenting. And and so it has a great response, but it's a horrible leader because it's that emotion center. Instead of God, letting God drive our responses and letting God um, help sanctify what we say and what we type, um, we put out there before um, helping him lead the, the way that way. So what we're, what we're gonna talk to you this morning a little bit about is we're gonna talk about thinking about our thinking, okay? And so the important part of this is is the fact that um, the way our bodies work, okay, everything kind of flows from the brain. It's a part of our, it's the whole neurosystem starts there and it ends there. And so um, when we can learn how to fix the way we think or change the way we think, we can be able to do so much more than just being a person or a people that are emotionally driven or emotionally responsive. And so... Um, Thinking about our thinking What's is actually called metacognition. Ooh. I know that's a big deal, a big word, <laughs> but um, you can use it later at a dinner party. Impress everyone. But it's just how we think about our thinking. If you spend some time asking yourself, why did I respond that way? How did, did we get into the conversation where that happened? 
How did, did this happen? So much of it originates in our mind. And if we can begin to, to slow down and, and think about what we're thinking, then our responses in the world might be different. And, and when we respond, understand we aren't just responding and representing ourselves. One, we're representing God, but we, we are being used of him. And when we can think about our thinking, God says, like, we, when we know what we are thinking, we can be used to a greater degree. And how many want God to use you? You want to be his hands and feet extended. You want to represent him well and to go out in this world um, and shine the light. Well, what your first step may, needs to be, what am I thinking? What was I thinking? God, what's been on my mind? So I would probably categorize us into two types of people. People who are easily think about their thoughts, maybe even to the extreme where they overthink a lot. And then there's me who basically forgets that he has a brain sometimes. And so like what a lot of times happen is Jen is really, really good at going back and looking at uh, certain circumstances that have, may have happened throughout the day, and she'll go through and she'll basically say, well, yeah, I probably could have done that one different. Like, okay, yeah, I rocked that one. That one, I knocked that one out of the park. Nah, this one I need to do all over again. And then there's me at the end of the day going, what did I do today? And so a lot of times I'll lean heavily on her and on a, maybe a situation or a response um, because she's really good at thinking about her thoughts, but she's also really good at thinking about my thoughts. And so it works together. But one of the things that I've had to try to do is I've had to try to make that, that pause moment when like the, the day is over, sitting at the dinner table or right before bed or something like that, I have to kind of train myself to say, okay, God, uh, kind of re respond, you know, talk to me about this, this day and remind me of what, what was good, what was bad, something that I can fix and, and, and go that route. So the reason why we're talking about the way we think is because even God knew um, how important the brain was in our everyday function. In fact, he told Paul, uh, who wrote the book of Romans, uh, he, he told him in chapter 12, verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And how many know that the pattern of this world is very emotional driven? I mean, we're talking right now that there, uh, there are particular like buzzwords that anybody could say, and it will, it'll charge some kind of like, you know, response in you. Like, you know, I, um, I could say the word vaccine and it might, oh, or the word mask or, or Afghanistan. There's so many different ways that we can respond emotionally about a specific topic or something like that. And that is exactly what the world pushes. It pushes this emotional response because if we're being honest, that's what sells newspapers and that's what sells ads on Facebook is all these people going on there doing all their, their emotional spewing, okay? But the Bible says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, okay? It says, but be transformed. That means changing the way we think by renewing our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And think about it this way. So it's taking that, that very last part, his pleasing perfect will. How many have ever asked God, God, what's my purpose? What do I need? What is, who am I? What do you want me to do in this world? God, what's your will for me? If we take it back a step, maybe God's saying, it's time for you to transform your mind so I can open up your mind so that I can, can download to you 
what your will is, but it's the renewing of our mind, then God to be able to open up that, that conversation with us to explain our, his will for us. So let's just say for a moment that um, this uh, jello mold of a brain is your brain. I'm gonna show my age for a little bit here. Uh, there used to be a commercial back, I guess in the late 80s, it was like, this is your brain, and it was two eggs, this is your brain on drugs, you know. Any questions? Sorry, anyway. Uh, but what, let's just say for a, a moment here that this is uh, a, like a, an image of your brain, and typically what happens is there will be items um, that we um, kind of let penetrate into our minds, um, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's influences, whether it's social media, or whether it's what we see, what we do. I mean, it's just a matter of these types of things that, that, that's going to happen. And what tends to happen is because of the world around us, because of the, what we talked about being con- not conformed to this world, the, the worldly influences typically are darker influences. They're, they're, they're influences that are contrary to the word of God. And so what happens is we'll have a brain full of this stuff. So what usually happens is our amygdala uses this information to respond with what's happening in our world. So, for example, if we um, are on our, you know, on our car, in our car driving to work and someone cuts us off, and this is what your brain is, so the amygdala will take that, and then all of a sudden you start spewing words that would make a sailor blush. Oh, right? So what we're here to tell you this morning is we're here to tell you that there is a way that you can take care of this and become a better influence to the world around you, a better view of who Jesus is through you by changing and transforming our mind. There's three ways we're going to do that. Go ahead. So we remove, then replace, and then repel is what we need to do with, with our mind so that we can start to be transformed. So you can see the darkness um, that you guys can see from this, the, the influences. Um, the first thing we do is remove. We're gonna talk about two different types of removing them. One is the, the, the word. The word of God is our weapon. Some of the things that are, that are in our mind are because the enemy is coming against us. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy so that we are not God's hand and feet, so we can't do what he wants us to do. We cannot fulfill our purpose. So take this for example. The enemy says, you're not good enough. You're alone. You'll never matter. You're gonna amount to nothing. Does God really love you? And if I'm removing it, and I'm lining it up with the word of God, then I will say, no weapon formed against me will prosper. I am more than a conqueror. I, he has never left me or forsaken me. So the whole removal part of it is in chapter 2, or I'm sorry, chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. And he's, here's what Paul was saying. He was saying that we demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And the last part of this is, and we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. And so what's happening is as we start to realize that in the removal process of what has already been put in our brains by the world around us, we have to start taking some kind of an initiative. And that initiative is saying, okay, I'm gonna start taking these thoughts captive. Thoughts of uh, the, the things that I may have seen the night before or the things that I, I may have uh, experienced the night before, the addictions, the things like that. I am taking these captive by using the word of God to thwart the enemy's idea of how he can stab this and make this be 
my number one response instead of it being a different response that God wants for us to have. The second thing when we talk about removing, we have to acknowledge that we are flawed people. We are not perfect. So some of the things that we've done to our minds are actually places we've gone, um, people we've been around, um, what we've done or said that has caused that darkness ourselves that we've got to remove. We've got to say, God, I'm lining it up to the knowledge of God. God, forgive me. Sometimes when you're feeling dissonance from God, when you're feeling that distance, we need to, to, to figure out, is it something in my mind? Is it something in my life, God, that I need to ask forgiveness for, that I need to reconcile with you so that I'm not apart? Because you can see that's some dark space between God and I. If, if my mind has that in it, it's gonna separate me from him. So maybe it's God. Why do I need to ask forgiveness for? What's so the next one? Now that we have a complete, <laughs> like this is my brain now, it's completely empty. No, now that we have a completely empty void of, of this input by the removal of the thoughts we've had, we can't just let it stay here and become this vacuum because what it's gonna do is just gonna continue to allow negative influences back into the brain. So the second part that we have to do is we have to replace it with positive things, a different version of what the, tr what the falsities that were in here, a different version of that. So here in, in, in Philippians chapter four, it says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, what's noble, what's right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable, and everything that is excellent and praiseworthy, it says, think about these things. So whenever the enemy is trying his hardest to be able to, to lie to you and tell you that, that, that false of that you're not praiseworthy, that you're, that there's nothing good about you, you can say, no, I'm going to focus on the truth of the word. And that truth is that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The truth is the fact that no that I, yes, I may be a sinner, but I am a sinner saved by grace through the salvation of Jesus Christ. And by we're replacing these thoughts, then what happens is then this allows us to be able to have a different emotional amygdala type response when the time comes because we have different parts here. We have different influences here. Because remember, so think about it when we respond in um, our, our true self comes out when we are in an emotionally uh, situation, when we feel that fight or flight, that's when who we are really comes out. Because your mind and your heart are connected. And, out, and the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. So what comes out is, is a representation of what's in your heart and your mind. So what we want to do is you can see the light here, the, the, what, the whites. We want to make sure that what we're putting in, we're replacing what we can see, what we hear is pure and lovely and admirable so that we can stand up against the enemy. We want to make sure we replace that. The last part of this is repelling. And so what we want to remind everyone is that they're, they're here in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, there's a list of what's called the army or the, the armor of God. And the armor of God goes through a certain amount of things that we should put on daily in order to help repel the thoughts of the enemy. And so we're going to focus just this morning on the fact that he talks about the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit of vision 617. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is God's word. And so what we're doing is we're now not only do we have 
the, it's been replaced with other things. It's been replaced with truth. Now we're going to have an opportunity to repel what the devil may try to put back in our brains. We have an opportunity. And that is basically reminding, we need to remind ourselves on a daily basis about the salvation of Jesus Christ. Because what happens is, I don't know if you realize this or not, but when Roman soldiers would put on their armor, the last two things they would pick up would be the helmet and the sword. And that's because it would be really hard to get dressed if you're holding a sword. It'd be really hard to get dressed if your helmet is covering everything. But the importance of the helmet and the sword is the fact that this covers the neurosystem of the whole warrior. Okay? Meaning, if, if, if a warrior's out on battle, he gets hit in the head, it could be a concussion type thing, or if there's an arrow that hits in the head, it's completely done. The entire body is useless. But what happens is by having the helmet here, we are able to take the things that the devil may try to say to us, the, the things that the devil is trying to whisper in our ear, and we're saying, no, 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 that's not what Jesus said. That's not what God said. I, I, no, no, that, that's a lie, devil. <laughs> and that's all you do is lie. So I don't have, uh, this is not truth. And so by reminding ourselves of the salvation of Jesus every day on a daily basis, how he has come and died for our sins because we, um, because of who he is and who we were, we now can be able to, we can be able to say, no, no, not again, not again, not today, Satan, not today. And this is where knowing your word of God knowing, um, I, I'm someone that I can memorize the, the, the word, but I have trouble connecting it to, uh, and remembering, um, the scripture and the verse. So when I am combating the enemy, it just comes out in small snippets. Um, now in my, in my time with God, I'm writing it out so that I can, I can try to remember it, but we need that stored in our heart. We need that so that we can we can st- we can be tested and approved, so that the enemy sees us. If I'm going to walk up to an enemy and try or and, and a someone an adversary and they have a helmet on, I'm probably going to do less damage. I'm going to do less damage than if I were to walk up and there was they weren't completely covered. I want to cover myself as a believer so that I can stand up against the fiery darts that's coming. And it's not just from the enemy. He is using so many things around us. But don't let him, don't let him win. Put on the helmet of salvation, which is that, that word of God that can come out of us so that we can then stand up and be the light in our world. So lots of information, but you're asking yourselves, okay, guys, what do we do with this? Well, we're going to tell you. Okay, here's some actionable steps. So if you're taking notes, we'd like for you to write these things down in order for you to be able to go home and do these things. And these are actionable steps that will allow you to be able to remove, replace, and repel. The first thing is? Time with God. Uh, We are going to encourage you. And think of this as like a checklist. How am I doing on these areas? So I feel like we as believers sometimes can get really fussy about our time with God. We feel like it needs to be this particular thing. It needs to be this formula. If it lines up this way, what I just want you to hear daddy, God, Abba father say, come spend time with me. Come be with me. I was reading a book called uh, pleasure of his company. And he just wants to spend time with you. Think about anyone you are close to. I want to spend time with my husband. I want to be next to him. Even if it means that we are both quietly sitting, but we're still together. So remember, when you think of your time with God, just go to him, be with him. And I'm going to step on someone's toes. Take out the time that you apply to social media, cut that out and apply that to your time with God. Let him, let him, let him 
fill you up. So like the next two things, because these are actionable stuff. These are the things that you, you just, you check. So you, you're, you're comparing, you're asking yourself, you know, check my time of, with God. How does it look like? The two that are, that are my hardest, the ones that I deal with on a, on a regular basis are my input or what's, what's being inputted, you know, the, in my senses, and then the things, that my influences. And so, like, for example, like she said, with, with social media, there's times where, um, you know, I, the hardest part for me is, is realizing that I can easily get out of balance, easily. Just because of the way God created me, I have a very awesome brain that just likes to take rabbit trails. I don't know if anybody else is like that, but you know, I, you'll, you'll sit down and you'll watch a video on how to tune drums at 11. And then by 4:30 in the morning, you're looking at like, you know, cartoons from 1972. You're like, how did I get here? And it's just this weird, it's just crazy. So I understand that, you know, so I have to understand that I've got some of these, you know, these guards that I have to put up in my own life in order to make sure that my time with God, my influences, my input becomes things that are God's wanting me to do. The other one is how we feed ourselves, like the level of our, our self-feeding. Pastor Gene spoke about this last week, the fact that you know, we're great uh, coming here on Sunday mornings and getting the buffet of him teaching us, but Monday through Saturday is a whole new ball, a whole new ball game. We've got to figure out how we're feeding ourselves. Um, so, and remember... This all comes back to, it, when Pastor Gene spoke about it last week, when we're feeding ourselves, we begin to feed others. So when our mind is transformed, when it is yielding to God, and we are putting in um, what God wants us to have in our minds, practically reading the word and spending time with him, then we can be used to a greater degree. We can be a better example for, for those around us because they're looking to us. They see something different, but before they're gonna step in and, and ask us any questions or seek out advice, they're watching. They're watching that response when, when we're in a heated moment. They're, they're watching, are they different? Is there really a light? Is there, is there something that I ha they have that I don't? Well, when our mind, when our time with God and our input and our influences are lining up, we can respond in a way that shines the light and draws those in around us. So feed yourself. How, how can you feed yourself? And the last one is the opinion of ourself. I'll tell you before, as we were preparing this, God said, there are people that will sit in this service today that are battling who they are and their identity in me. The enemy is just attacking, attacking. You're not, not valuable, you're not worthy. You're never gonna amount to anything. Pastor Gene, we have sat in a church, uh, we sit in a church where he has been speaking to us about our identity and, and going through this whole summer series and it has been valuable. And, and God, want, what he wants you to understand is he sent his son to die for you, that you may have life. And so when he looks down, he doesn't see us and our flaws and our failures and who we are and the mess we are. He sees Jesus, because Jesus came to replace and give us access to God. So to that person, those people right now, who do not feel worthy, you're discounting yourself so that God can't use you. Remember, you are worthy. He sent his son to die for you, that you may have life and that he may use you. Your opinion of yourself has got to grow so that he can grow in you.
So then we want to go on last to so Romans. Just, just, to, just to clarify, okay, this is not a one-time thing. Meaning, you, it, it'd be great, it would be awesome, really, if we could, like, walk out the doors of the church and sit in our car and say, okay, God, I need you to remove this, and I want to replace it with this, and I'm going to repel it with the helmet of salvation, and then everything is glorious. It's unfortunately not going to be like that. It's going to be a daily growth pattern, okay? You're going to fail. Uh, I'm going to fail. Jen's going to fail. Probably not as much as me, but she's still going to fail. <laughs> Bonus points. But the idea of it is, is the fact that it's a growth thing. It's not going to happen overnight, but it's something that continually happens on a daily basis. And so as one of the ways that you can tell if you're growing in this, it's the removal part should come down a little bit because the replacement part and the helmet part, the repelling part should be greater. So as you're going through your life and as you're thinking about your thinking in the weeks to come, you should sit down and ask yourself, okay, God, I realize I, I didn't have a whole lot to remove this week because you know why? Oh, I know why. I turned my phone off at eight o'clock and I plugged it in. Instead of letting it sit powered on next to my bed every time I rolled over to look at it and see what happened on Facebook. Or maybe it's, man, I don't have a whole lot to remove this day because I realized this day I spent having a an awesome time this morning with God just talking and listening and reading. And it, it really changed the way my day went. So it's a growth process. Okay. So don't, don't come out from this thinking that, oh, I'll never get there. Yeah, you will get there. Okay. And, and if you say I'll never get there, that's part of that stinking thinking that was in there beforehand. Okay. Think to yourself that you're going to get to a place where the removal part will be more or will be less, but the input and the repelling will be so much greater. So do me a favor, just bow your heads. We're going we're gonna to end this. And I want to end, end with this thought. And the thought is this. In Romans chapter 8, Paul was speaking to the church there. And he was telling him to say, listen. He, he was saying, look at me. He was saying, the mind that is governed by your flesh leads to death. But the mind that's governed by peace is life and peace. The mind that's governed by the spirit is life and peace. So it is important for us to understand the differences of how our brain really does help control the direction of our lives, not only on a daily basis, but for some hourly. <laughs> so my prayer for you this morning is this. If you're here and that internal mind battle is just seems like it's too much i'm here to tell you it's not too much it just takes a moment of your time to check your actionable steps to remove to replace and repel it's doable i i know it is i'm and living maybe this example week you came here and you've the enemy has just beat you up and he's, he's sending weapon after weapon to try to tear you down. We just want to take a second and pray over you. So if you'll stand to your feet. Father God, right now, you see every person. God, someone needs to hear God say, I see you. 
I have never left you. I've never forsaken you. And I'm there. I'm there in that hardest part. I'm there in your struggle. I'm going through it with you. I am right by your side. God, right now I speak over their minds. God, the thought patterns that we have, we submit to you and ask God that you line them up to the knowledge of God and anything that does not, that sets itself in opposition of the knowledge of God, we call that out in the name of Jesus and we, we send it back where it, where it came from. And God, you are going to be the author and the, the creator of our thoughts and whatever's in our mind. God, right now, we lift it to you and God, anyone who has been just beat up, God, I speak a strengthening from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, that they will walk today in a greater dimension than you, that they will walk and not faint, yes, that God, yes. they feel you coming, that Holy Spirit right now over our minds, guiding, directing our thoughts. So God, our prayer is that you remove the negative that is in our mind. God, that you, you would search our minds right now and the lies and the, the influences and the input that is not aligning up to your word and to your truth. We pray for that removal, God. And we ask that you would give us the, the, the time, the, the, the day right now to replace it with the truth of your word. And God, that we would learn to get up every morning and put on that helmet of salvation to repel the thoughts that the devil may come because he knows that if he wins the battle in our mind, he wins the battle and we're going to lift up a standard. We're gonna put that helmet on and say, he's not gonna do it today.